Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of Warriors Unite Podcast with me, your host, Carolyn. This will be the final episode of this season and we shall be back again in the new year. In this week's episode, I'm joined by Tammy from Southern California. Tammy will take us on the roller coaster journey of being diagnosed with multiple chronic conditions. So I do hope you stay tuned as us Warriors unite. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Warriors Unite podcast with me, your host, Carolyn. This week we are joined by the lovely Tammy. Tammy, how are you? I'm good. How about you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Um, do you want to let our listeners know where you're calling in from? I am calling in from uh, California in the United States. Very nice. Yeah. What's the weather like there at the moment? It's actually um, rainy today. So we're getting a little rain early um, this year. Uh, it's kind of nice. The other uh, a couple nights ago, we actually had a uh, thunderstorm, which we don't. I live in Southern California um, in the L.A. area, and we don't get a lot of thunderstorms. So it, it was uh, thundering and, and the lightning was just lighting up the sky like crazy. So it was actually beautiful to watch. So something we don't get very often. So it was kind of kind of cool yeah it's the the weather seems to be i think it's global warming it seems to be a bit cuckoo everywhere but anyway um i just want to let the the listeners in on our topic of conversation today so um tammy i'm gonna let it over to you and if i have any questions or that i will ask you along the way okay um i'll start with just kind of my diagnosis and what i've um, worked through um i have several diagnoses right now so the first um, diagnosis I got was with, for POTS, um, which is, uh, postural, postural orthostatic intolerance or, uh, it, sorry, postural <laughs> orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Um, it's basically an orthostatic intolerance, meaning that, um, your body doesn't do well going from a laying position to a sitting position or a sitting position to a standing position. And basically POTS is under the dysautonomia umbrella. Um, and it has something to do with your autonomic nervous system um, being, being broken or having a glitch. Um, so your body doesn't necessarily um, push the blood up to your upper extremities like the way it would for a healthy person. So it causes uh, your heart rate to go up, uh, shortness of breath, getting tired, the, the um, lightheadedness, dizziness. It causes a bunch of different things. So it was the first diagnosis I got, and that was back in December 2020. Um, I had gone to a cardiologist, and she ran a, a you know, battery of tests, checked my heart, and my heart looked okay, um, the structure, but they did what's called a tilt table test. Um, and this is common for diagnosing POTS. And they lay you down on a table, they take your vitals, and um, then they stand the table up, and they have you strapped in. Um, they stand the table up, and here in America, we they do it for 30 minutes, um, and they take your vitals while you're up, and they check on you. Are you lightheaded? Are you dizzy? How are you feeling? Are you getting sweaty? You know, any of those kind of things. Um, and so that's how they tell if your if your heart rate goes greater than 30 beats higher from when you're laying down, um, then you're diagnosed with POTS. So um, <clears throat> that was my first diagnosis. Uh, they sent me to neurology. Um, neurology ran a battery of tests also. Um, tested me for, they do what's called an EMG, um, which is testing your nerves and muscles. Um, and that came back okay. Um, they sent me for a sleep study. Um, so in the sleep study came back that I had sleep apnea, mild case of sleep apnea. So we're treating that as well. Um, and, but they also did a, a skin punch biopsy. And the skin punch biopsy, they took three skin biopsies from my left side of my leg. So basically they took one above my ankle one around my knee and one around my hip. And they take those skin and they send it off. There's only one laboratory in the United States that does this in Texas. And they look at your skin, the biopsies, and they actually count 
the small fibers, nerves. And so from that, they can tell whether you have small fiber neuropathy. So one of the other diagnoses, the second diagnosis I got was small fiber neuropathy. So um, not really treating that one right now because be, the reason that we're not treating that is um, my neurologist sent me then to rheumatology um, because I do have uh, uh, positive autoimmune markers and they haven't been able to narrow it down yet. But if neuropathy, if my small fiber neuropathy is caused from autoimmune disease, then they can treat the small fiber neuropathy with uh, IV treatment, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, otherwise, if they can't get to the root of the neuropathy, then they treat it with nerve drugs like gabapentin, stuff like that, which helps the nerve pain, but won't necessarily reverse any nerve damage. So that's the second thing I got diagnosed with. <clears throat> and that was in April of this year. Then in June of this year, I saw my neurologist again. And from all the testing she did, she <clears throat> diagnosed me with ME-CFS. And I always say the ME part wrong. It's myalgic F and if, so I can't say it, I'm gonna mess it up. So just it's ME-CFS in the United States, they call it chronic fatigue syndrome, which is really a misnomer. Um, I was diagnosed with that. There's no specific test right now that they can do for ME-CFS. However, there are some guidelines that they follow. And the guidelines are, does someone have fatigue, like debilitating fatigue longer than six months? Does someone have orthostatic uh, intolerance, S sleep problems? Is there a sleep um, disorder involved? Mm -hmm. So all of those I have. So that's why my neurologist also diagnosed me with that. <clears throat> so um, she recently sent me to rheumatology to do a full panel and um, the blood work what they suspect I have for autoimmune, they say I definitely have something autoimmune going on because my markers are high and I always test positive for it. I test, I've had that ANA test done, um, which is the autoimmune markers, like probably six times. I'm always positive. I'm always with the high marks. So they suggest, they, they suspect I have Sjogren's syndrome. <clears throat> so the blood work came back negative for Sjogren's. However, um, the, the rheumatologist said that the Sjogren's blood tests are not sens very sensitive. So like 50%, it's only like 50% accurate. So they sent me to get a lip biopsy. So two weeks ago I had to get, a, or I think it was last week actually, I had to get a lip biopsy. They send me to the ENT and they actually uh, take out from your bottom lip on the inside, um, they take out a few of your minor saliva glands and then they throw, send it to pathology to look to see, they're looking to see if they see like uh, a lot of activity around them or, or like, I think the white blood cells attacking or, or things like that. So um, my results came back and they show that um, I have signs of what could be Sjogren's, but it wasn't 100% positive. However, I saw my rheumatologist yesterday and she is, um, says she's going to treat me as I have it because my dentist also confirmed that only two sets, or sorry, two sets of my saliva glands are very diminished, barely producing any saliva. So only, you have three sets. So only one set of my saliva glands is producing anything. So, um, I have really bad dry eyes and I, I just have a lot of the symptoms of Sjogren. So they're going to, they're going to treat me as if I have it. Um, and so now maybe with the treatment for the Sjogren's, they'll be able to treat my neuropathy. So it's kind of like this whole, how things tie together. And um, I have so many, I have a great team of doctors now. Um, I have one thing that with chronic illnesses, 
is you have to advocate for yourself. You have to push, like, even when you're so exhausted, because when I first got sick back in, this all started last July, um, and I wasn't getting any kind of traction with the doctors I was with before, with the group. Um, last November, I was so sick, I could had to crawl to the bathroom or my husband had to help walk me to the bathroom. I was slurring my words. I couldn't even remember something from two minutes ago. And that lasted for about two months and my doctors just were not helping. So luck, uh, sorry, luckily I got a referral to a new GP and he has been absolutely amazing. Um, and he, he's referred me within the, the healthcare group that I'm with to um, a cardiologist, a, a neurologist, a rheumatologist. I'm seeing an integrated medicine doctor also. And now I'm going to see a um, GI doctor on Monday because I have some GI issues going on too. Um, so, um, and then I pay out of pocket to see a, a complex, she, I call her my complex disease doctor because she works at a, a company called a Clinic for Complex Diseases. And it's up in Northern California. And they are familiar with all the current research on ME-CFS. So I, I see her as well. Um, so I have a whole team of doctors and I wasn't gonna stop until I found someone to help me because I was in such a bad condition. I, you know your body the best, right? So you gotta get a team or one doctor at least to listen so that they can find you. Also the other doctors to help because it's really a puzzle, like chronic illness. Often you don't have one illness. There's so many things and some, a lot of things, something breaks in your body and then it, it impacts something else. And so you, you usually have many things going on at the same time. And so you really need to fight. And as tired as I was back and, and, and basically like just so disabled back October, I was fighting, I was calling the Mayo Clinic. I, I was doing everything I can to try to get help because I was like, this isn't right. And there's no sense of urgency with the other doctors. So- Did, Can I ask you, Tammy? Was yes, it, go ahead. Well, was it something that, that you think that triggered, that triggered all this to come on all of a sudden? The reason I'm asking is because usually when I speak, if I speak to someone, they have noticed kind of different symptoms over the years and before they get the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. That's why I was going, was going to ask you, did, did something happen? Did you notice something happened that brought all this on? So um, when, it, when I first started in July of last year getting sick, I thought it was, wow, this all just, just came on all of a sudden. But as I paid attention and realized what happens when I push too hard if I go past my energy envelope, I get like flu-like symptoms. That's one of the first things that happens is I get flu-like symptoms. Like I'll have a sore throat. I'll feel yep. achy. I'll get a headache. I'll get GI issues. That made me think actually that I have probably been sick for a while, but in a more mild case and just not realizing it because um, I've I've always worked in a very high stress, a um, lot of hours. Uh, I worked in IT uh, and I traveled a lot. And I noticed I, thinking back and my husband even said, you, wouldn't, you couldn't go like four weeks without getting sick. And I'm like, I know. Now I'm thinking back and I see, and I do more research on the illnesses, right? Cause I didn't know about them before. Yeah. Um, I see, wow, that was probably a flare but I just didn't know when my body was getting sick. Um, so I think that I had some of this for a while, just didn't know. Um, I don't know what triggered it to become more severe. I haven't been able to figure that out yet. Um, it's, it's suspicious because it's during COVID, but I, um, I was tested for COVID quite a few times and it always came back negative. I was tested when I first started getting sick in July, it was August, I think I was tested for antibodies and I didn't have any. 
So I I don't necessarily think it was you COVID, but I can't COVID. rule it out. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't rule it out 100%. Um, what, what it started with, um, and I, I can remember it so vividly, we were um, going on vacation. It was during COVID. So the only thing we were doing was going camping. Um, excuse me. So we were up, um, we were going up north into the um, Eastern Sierras in, in California. Um, there's a place called June, June Lake. It's up near Mammoth. And um, my husband and stepson drove up in the motorhome and I drove separately in the car. <clears throat> By the time I got there, I was super tired, which was strange. I was like, oh, I'm feeling so exhausted. And um, then the whole time we were, we were camping, I was like, gosh, my muscles are so tired. Like they feel like a fatigue I'd never felt before. Um, and I was a runner all my whole life. So I um, ran half marathons. I ran relays. I mean, I've since high school, I was a runner. That was my thing. Um, and so my muscles being, I was like, I've never felt this fatigue, even in like my longest run, nothing. And so in all weekend, it was like, I mean, all week, cause we were there for a week. And I was like, gosh, like maybe it's the altitude, but I've been in the altitude before, but I'm like, so strange. And then that has never gotten better. And then um, when we got back a couple of weeks later, I started just getting super dizzy and lightheaded. Um, I was working from home and like I had to lay down during meetings. I couldn't even, I was like, I'm so dizzy. And then um, I started getting sore throat, achy, headache. Um, and then I started getting like the, the severe brain fog and um, the fatigue was getting even more. I'd be out of breath trying to do laundry, like putting laundry in. Um, so that's what started me like, okay, I need to go to the doctor. Something's wrong. I don't know if it's a virus or... And they started me um, on testing. And that's when I was with the other doctors. Mm -hmm. um, one thing they found when they first tested me, um, I did have the positive uh, autoimmune markers, but the rheumatologist said it sounds more neurological. So he sent me to a neurologist, but they found that my B12 was low. So my B12 was at like 140. And I think if it's anywhere under like 300, 400, it's considered low. So I was at 140, um, mm -hmm. which was strange because I eat meat and eggs and all, that's not where you get all your B12. Um, and B12 is very important. I, I never knew how important B12 was, but it, it, it is important for cell, um, cellular health, your spine, your cognitive, like there's all these things B12. So um, we all thought it was, my B12 being low because it could cause neurological issues, all that. So uh, we got my B12 up and I just wasn't getting any better. Um, and the other group wasn't moving quick enough to do other testing. So when I found my doctors I see now are at UCI um, in Southern California, and it's a, it's a, um, it's associated with a teach, teaching and research hospital. So I honestly feel like that's why they're being so thorough is because of that. Um, they are mm -hmm. not afraid to do this test or that test. And I was just um, going to ask, yeah, because um, especially when it comes to things like this, which is even though it's not a blessing that you have came down with these conditions, mm -hmm. it's a blessing that you have a team that's investigative is the word I'm looking for. Um, because if somebody had brought it up to me there recently and said um, they were talking to some to some doctor and their doctor said a good doctor is like is it a CIA agent or an FBI agent they want to find out if your bloods come back clear well what's going on that your bloods are clear but you've all these symptoms and 90 over 90 percent of, of the world don't have that type of a treatment like I'm writing down everything you're saying now for somebody that's been dealing with pots and all this for 17 years None of any of this, like I haven't even seen a neurologist or neurologist refuses to deal with POTS or any type mm -hmm. of dysautonomia yet. So I'm writing things down because I'm learning as I go along, but that you found a group that are willing to get to the bottom of it and they're doing things. I mean, that's, that's amazing. That's a, that's a credit to the type of people that they are. 
I know. And I believe it or not, I tell them that all the time. I tell them like, thank you. Thank you. Like all the time I tell them that. And, um, and I send them information and they're willing to learn too. Right. So they're not like, Oh, I know enough about this and da da da. So I send, I send them information on ME CFS. Uh, I sent my GP information on, Hey, if you want to do continuing education, um, if you need your credits, like here, the, the ME action or the ME, like there's different, they have continuing education and he's like, absolutely. Um, so they're, uh, they're willing to learn. And actually, I've actually had them say thank you to me for giving it to him because they said, we have some other patients that are sick like you, and now I can help them and I can give them some information and guide them. So it, it kind of feels nice when you're working as a team with your doctors um, and I, I know, I know I'm blessed. I know that there's so many people out there that, um, don't have doctors that are willing to listen. Um, and I just, I just say to everyone, like continually advocate if they're not listening, go to another doctor, like go. I mean, if you have to go to 20 doctors and I know it's exhausting, but it's so important. And I know that it's people that aren't in our position don't understand like it seems weird to want your results to come back positive but when you're so like when you're struggling to just get through every single day and you're so exhausted and you know something's wrong and people aren't believing you or listening and the the work, blood work comes back with no problems, you're, it's just devastating because you want to know what it is so you can start figuring out a treatment or start mm -hmm. figuring out how to cope, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, tell me what it is and tell me how we're gonna treat it, not just, okay, this is what you have off with you, you know, you. Yeah. it's a treatment I want. Yeah, and so even um, this this week, some, it, and it's always, I feel like it's always changing. So like, <clears throat> Uh, this week, I got to see that my neurologist, I mean, sorry, my rheumatologist, uh, I saw my neurologist too, actually, virtually. Um, I, you know, got some information on Sjogren's and maybe a treatment plan. Um, but my neurologist, I spoke with her um, and she's actually going to do further testing. Um, there is something called um, autonomic fun function testing. So I was diagnosed with POTS from the tilt table test. However, I've had quite a few episodes where my heart rate will stay high for like 10 hours. And <laughs> the um, talk to my cardiologist and my GP both said, you can take another beta blocker because I'm on beta blocker for the only thing I'm on for POTS is a beta blocker, which brings your heart rate down, which is supposed to help with like the, the shortness of breath and all that stuff, which it does. Mm. It, it, it does help. There's like, I'm not as out of breath right now. And, and it's usually keeping my heart rate down. Yeah. But um, they never worked. They never worked for me. They made my heart rate they made my heart rate lower because I have low blood flow pots. Oh, so yeah. So he was giving me the beta blocker, slow down my heart rate, but I had low blood pressure. So it was working in the opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. Um, so, so she said, I'm, I'm thinking you still have something in the dysautonomia umbrella, but it's maybe something different than pots because your heart rate is not going down when you lay down. Um, cause last Sunday, um, so what I have found is I've become, um, sensitive to heat. So, um, one of the things I used to love before I was sick is taking baths, like always love taking baths. Now it's just a chore, right? Some days I, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of gross, but some days I'll go, sometimes I'll go three or four days without taking a bath or a shower just because I do not have the energy and it drains me like drains me like no other um when I first started getting sick I I would tell everyone and gosh it, after I take a shower or bath I have to lay down and gosh just washing my hair makes my arms like feel like I'm doing a crazy arm workout I'm like 
oh my God, like what is going on? And um, then when I found people that have the same thing, like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. You know what I mean? Cause at first you kind of think you're crazy, crazy with all these symptoms. So um, anyway, going back to, I, I think I was talking about uh, heat sensitivity. So um, taking baths, I used to love it. Now I can only do it so often. And, and, I, and I do it mostly when I'm achy um, or unfortunately we have a lot of mosquitoes around here right now, the Southern California area. So I've been getting uh, eaten up by mosquitoes and they um, cause a reaction in my whole body like itches. And I take, um, I take uh, antihistamines and I'll put topical, but it just doesn't even... So anyway, so I'll take gas usually when that happens. But what I notice is um, I try to keep it warm, but a little bit hot, like, because I don't want to take a cold bath. Um, and when I'm in the bath, my heart rate goes up automatically because I have an Apple watch and, um, and I'll get a notification. Um, I have it set up on my Apple watch to where if my heart rate's greater than 100 when I'm not at, when I'm basically thinking I'm not active for longer than 10 minutes it will send me a notification and i'll get those and so last sunday after i took a bath at like eight in the morning because i was just miserable um my heart rate did not go it, it stayed between 107 and 120 laying down for until like 6 30 that night and i was even laying in a dark room a long, dark quiet room and it didn't go down. So, so it seems just, I'm not a doctor, but from what it sounds like there and what your doctors are thinking that the postural side is making, it has no difference got to do with it. So could it just be, um, not just be, I don't mean that way, um, an orthostatic tachycardia syndrome without the postural bit. Yeah. Um, I think, I think she said something like, um, pure, autonomic failure or something like that I don't know we'll see we'll see I haven't I don't I haven't had the testing done yet so um but she's forwarding it to me to to get testing done so we'll see what what ends up after that yeah because it's that then it's well in itself once you get the the right diagnosis if it's something other than POTS then you can go and get the right treatment that's there then for whatever that, but it's, it's all a game of testing and trial and error. You're, you are literally a guinea pig, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't mind because if it, I, I, I like helping people. It's always been my thing. Um, and before I got sick, I would volunteer a lot. I, um, I ran a local, um, well, a local chapter of a nationwide, <clears throat> nationwide military mom group. And we would do things for veterans because um, my son was active duty army. Um, he's out now, um, but he's active reserves for four years, former years. But um, so it helped me feel like closer to him and stuff. And it also helped me give back to our veterans. I can't do that stuff anymore. So um, just being able to tell my story and help anyone, um, through this process. And I've been able to help a few people and it makes me, it makes me happy to, to do that. Cause that's kind of what, um, my core is. I feel I like think that's what, exactly. And what the community is there for as well doing that, because even a few things that you have said out there, I've written down. And when I do get my face-to-face appointments with my cardiologist, I can now ask and say, what about this, 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 and this? So you were already helping me by giving me this information. So thank, thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. So yeah, so it's, it's, been a, it's been a crazy ride for what, 15, 16 months. But I know there's people out there um, and I talk to a lot of people that have like, like you said, you're dealing with stuff for 17 years, right? And there's people out there that have been dealing with things for, for 20, 20 years, 30 years, years without a diagnosis. And yeah. um, it just breaks my heart, you know? And it, 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 um, and it breaks my heart also for, you know, we're seeing a lot of things um, in the long COVID community, right? Yeah. A lot of long COVID um, people are suffering with, uh, with POTS, you know, they're, they're getting POTS, they're getting ME or symptoms of ME-CFS. They have 
other things going on um, because of that that horrific illness, and so it's sad. It's sad to watch. Um, because it is, it's, it's an attack of the immune system. And I guess mm -hmm. that's what COVID does. Because I have I followed this Autonomy International. They were one of the first I started to follow when I was on my journey. Uh, and they're always doing research and stuff. And even in the can in Canada, they're really high ahead of all this type of research. And um, they're saying now that they're putting pots into an autoimmune, into an autoimmune section more so than into an autonomic section because I don't know if you notice, but I notice even as I'm going along, I'm getting more intolerant to different things. Like I'm breaking out in rashes for no reason. I'm having allergic reactions, things like bananas. When I used to eat bananas all the time, this came out of nowhere. Um, things like the only painkiller I can take is paracetamol. I'm allergic to everything, absolutely everything else. Um, so that doesn't help when you're in a lot of pain either, but all it can take is paracetamol, but I'm breaking out in, in a lot more allergies. So I would assume that does come down to an autoimmune side of it as well as this journey goes on. And like you said, it's not, it doesn't start with just one symptom. It snowballs into something else and into something else constantly. And my 14 year old is going through this at the moment because they think he have pots, he has pots as well. So it's all investigation process. It is, it is. And, and uh, same thing with you. I noticed that I have uh, intolerance to certain things, right? So one of the things that's been bad is the bug bites, like just talking to you about that, like that really causes a reaction. Um, also, I got, I started getting, it, sorry, a, a, a yeast infection under my left breast. Constant, it like would come and I'm like, when I first got it, I'm like, what in the heck is going on? Um, and so, but it's, it's like reoccurring. It will go away for a month and then maybe come back and go away. So that's something like, I've never had that in my entire life. You know, why is all of a sudden this happening? Um, so it's definitely um, different things that just, I feel like yeah. if it's not one thing, it's another. And every day there's something new that pops up. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm my mom says, I don't want them to test you anymore. Cause I feel like every time we have a test, they find something else. I'm like, I know, but it helps to have. And, and I, I can't work anymore. I, I, I was on leave from my work. They were amazing and held my position for almost a year. And then I was like, I know I can't come back. Like I just, you know, and I, I, I don't want the, it kept on it was something that was weighing on me because I felt like I got to get better to go back. And so, mm. and I need to focus on getting better. Right. And without all that added stress. And then plus it wasn't, I was like, I know I can't get, go back right now, you know, maybe two years from now, maybe three years, I don't know. But, and so I, I, um, a couple months ago gave notice and that was hard for me to accept, you know, there's things that are so hard to accept and grieve through this process yeah. and that was you're one of the grieving things the you're grieving not only your health but you're grieving the life you once lived and people don't yeah. people don't understand that unless you're going through something like that and that is a hell of a very 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 dark place to be in it is is there's how there's, there's so much and and it's not like oh i grieve this one day and it's just oh, done you know it's a continual process like I talked about running. That was a, th there was, there were so many things that were my identity, right? There were so many things that I just loved or that made me me that I can't do anymore. I know at the core, I'm still me, right? I know that I still have the caring heart and I'm still analytical and I'm still, uh, you know, and analytical is, you know, what I was saying before about my work, you know, that's what was my job. I was in IT. I managed the business analyst. I managed that. So it was always get to the root cause, root cause, root cause, and, you know, analyze the situation. So with my illness, what comes in, I'm going to analyze. I want, I want facts. I want to understand. And my husband's like, you don't need to have all the answers. Yes, I do. You know, it's like, um, but then, you know, and then grieving is part of it, grieving that, at least for a, a while, I'm not going to be able to run. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know if 10 years from now will, or, you know, but running was like my therapy. It was my, like, 
just get out there and be free. And I would do it at lunch at work. You know, I would, you know, it's just something I loved. And so I can't do it. I can't, I, I can barely, um, I, I've tried to start it again a couple days ago, trying to walk my dogs two houses down and two houses back. And that's about all I can do, you know, but, um, some days I can't even do that. And it's really, you know, it's really hard. I can't go to concerts. Like music is my passion. And luckily, like I can still listen to music. There are people that can't with MECFS and it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that they can't like listen to music. Um, they can't watch TV. Some days I can't because it's sensory overload, but um, you know, I still have things that I can do. And I feel just, it breaks my heart for those that are um, you know, stuck in a dark room with, you know, eye masks on and, and um, head, you know, canceling, noise canceling headphones, because they can't handle, you know, the noise, there's, there's people out there um, that just really, they say it's a living death. And, and I, and I feel awful, you know, there's, I'm grieving the things I can't do, but there's still things I can do. Um, and that's what I try to focus on a lot of the times, but um, when I first started, when I first got sick, I thought I had to make everyone, everyone comfortable with my sickness because I, and I thought that I had to always think positive because, you know, that's what everybody wants. They want you to always think positive, think positive. And so I put this pressure on myself that like, I have to get better for work. I have to keep positive. I have to make everybody comfortable. And um, because mental health is such a huge part of this as well, yeah. I, um, I see it, I see it um, virtually through, virtually, I, I talk to a psychologist every two weeks, uh, my therapist, and she reminded me that you can be grieving, you can be sad, you can be mad, like, it's not your responsibility to make everybody comfortable with it. You know, you're going through something that's, that's um, devastating and you're losing a lot and um, you know, be gentle on yourself and. And it's yours. It's, it's your, yeah. that you're, you're, you're going through it. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you try to make everybody, you're trying to make everybody else understand and try to be there for everybody else you start to forget about yourself and then you start to decondition and it, and then your mental health goes down. It's when your body says, okay, you need to, you need to just rest for today. Allow yourself to just rest for today because I think we carry an awful lot of guilt uh, when it does that. And especially I, I did when it came to parenting because I'm a single parent and I know they're, they're 20 and 14 and my eldest is in college. Um, there's a lot of things I missed out on because I used to always say, I can't do it, I can't do it. Now I look at it as I can do it, but what are the consequences of me doing that? So mm -hmm. if I go out, if I went out and pushed myself to stand on my feet for too long, the consequences are I'll end up on the floor. I know I'm going to faint because that's one of the biggest symptoms with, with my pot. Then I could, bang, what do I bang my head? If I bang my head, where could that lead to? You know, and and I don't know if you find that that would bring up anxiety before you even leave the house, the buildup of the what ifs, the what ifs. So now I just say, I'm not doing that because I know the consequences. And I'm for today, I'm just giving my body what it needs and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. And I'm not going to beat myself up about it because I've done that for 10 years. And it led me down a dark, dark road where it was self-harming because I couldn't understand what was going on in my body and nobody could see it. I could feel it and no, and nobody could see it. Yeah. I'm so glad you're beyond that too. Like I had, I, I had, um, before I got sick, um, it's been probably 15 years ago. I've, I was in a dark place and I, I may, have, again, I may have been sick for a long time. And uh, one thing with like B12 and stuff, like it also helps with depression and if my B12, I don't know how long, how low, how long my B12 was low. So I don't know if depression and anxiety are caused by my illness. You know, I, I don't know. And I was in a dark place and I thought of um, ending it and it, it scared me. So I actually checked myself into a place um, for, and, you know, I was in there for maybe a week and then did some out, outpatient stuff and um, was able to pull myself out of that place. But it's very scary when you're there. Um, and and mental health is so important. I mean, it's, 
it's prevalent in all societies and it needs to be destigmatized. I mean, we need to be able to talk about it. It's, you can't be positive every day. You're going to have bad days. It's okay. It's okay to feel that way. And I notice, like, even now when I'm feeling a bad day and I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling frustrated or I'm feeling jealous because someone's enjoying something that I like to do, or I'm feeling, I allow myself to feel it instead of running from it because when you run from it it just stays longer and you're just covering up what's going to come out later and just sit you know just let give yourself permission give yourself to permission to cry if you're crying give yourself commit permission to cry until you can't cry anymore you know and that's something before i got sick that i i say is like and actually I like crying because it gets everything out. You know what I mean? It's an outlet. I mean, I'll cry when I'm mad. I'll cry. You know what I mean? I just, it, it's, it helps release things. And sometimes I notice I can't cry. And so then when something is something as silly, we'll start my crying. I'm like, thank goodness, because now I can release everything that's, that's been building up. But I think giving yourself permission to be sad, be mad, you know, be jealous, be whatever it is, and just let it pass and sit with those uncomfortable feelings until, until they do pass, you know? Yeah. It's, and feel it. It's okay to feel it. Just don't, don't park all your bags there. Like just let it come and go. And you have to do that because people with chronic illness are going through an awful, awful lot. And it, and it, and with medical, with mental, should I say mental health, as well it's it's an invis- mental health is also an invisible illness i don't think anybody that i've ever spoken to that has gone through a chronic illness has ever not had an issue had issues with mental health mm-hmm. right absolutely yeah and um one thing also that um so we were talking about grieving and so grieving the things right but then there's some um, then there's acceptance right so you have grieving things and then um, I, you know, acceptance of your current position, you know, current situation, right. You have to accept. And that doesn't mean, cause I, I feel like a lot of people say, oh, you're accepting it. You're just, you know, you're surrendering to it. And it's not that, you know, and it's not, and, I, and I've, I've had to tell a lot of people like for my mental health, I have to accept the situation I'm in right now. I have to accept that I may never get better, right. That I have to accept that I can't, I can still have hope. I do have hope that um, they'll find some treatments or maybe they'll find a cure for one or two of my ailments or, or whatever, you know, or maybe I'll go into remission. I have hope for that, but I also have to just accept that this is where I'm at and there's a possibility I may not get better because if I just keep on saying positive, positive, I'm going to get better, then that's going to be devastating to me if I don't get better. Right. So it's like, I have to do to, to think that way. I have to, um, something that was hard for me to accept was using mobility aids, right? I had to accept that I had to start using a walker for outside. Um, back October, November of last year, I had to use it inside the house. I had to use it just to get to the bathroom. Now I don't use it in the house, but I, any, if I'm outside or I go to a doctor's appointment, I have to use my walker. Um, it's because I get so dizzy. I have so much fatigue. Um, and now something new I have to accept is I'm going, I've ex- accepted that I'm going to use a wheelchair, a reclining wheelchair because of POTS. Um, and I'm accepting that because I want to be able to do some things with my family. Um, when my son, so I, 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 my first grandbaby was born in June and um, I get to see him every day and he makes me so happy. Um, but my son and, and daughter-in-law, um, so my daughter, so back up. my daughter and son-in-law and my grandson live here with me and my husband. And it's a blessing because my daughter, helps me a lot. <clears throat> and I get to see my grandson, my grandbaby every day. My son and my um, daughter-in-law live in Pittsburgh. 
Um, and they're going to move back next year, thank goodness. But they live across the country from me. And so they came in to visit when my grandson Hudson was born. And it was, uh, it was awesome to see them. But that's when I, it opened my eyes to, I need something more to give me the ability to do things because they were visiting and they went out to dinner and they went and did something we used to do together with, uh, before I got sick was a lot of escape rooms. Um, and they went and did an escape room and I can't do it. And I don't know that I could do it in a wheelchair, but it, give it, just, a good try. <laughs> it, it just opened my eyes that I need something more that will give me like, if go to the park with them or go to dinner with them or um, because with my walker, it's great and it has a seat on it. But because of my ME-CFS and my fatigue, like the, the just bone crushing, soul crushing fatigue and the chance of pushing too far and going into a crash, I can't walk that far with my walker. You know, I can only walk a little ways with my walker. So it's good for like doctor appointments and things like that. But I can't go do anything of any substance with uh you're still using your energy to use to use the walker mm -hmm. like so mm -hmm. what you need is your wheelchair to be off your feet so you can participate back in life right um, so accepting that okay i'm gonna uh i'm gonna use a walker uh another thing is that um my doctor wanted home health to come in and do a safety evaluation on my house so they home health nurse came in and now the home health work nurse comes every week. And um, just that even was hard to like, whoa, I have to have someone come in and make sure my house is safe. You know, that was like having the home health. It just was another thing like eye opening and just hard to accept. And also it brought back, um, it brought up some, some uh, memories of, my dad. So my dad was had in, had chronic fatigue syndrome. And so before I got sick, I didn't know it was so debilitating because my dad had other illnesses. He had, um, and my dad was in, was a Vietnam veteran. So he had severe PTSD um, and he had COPD, um, diabetes and then chronic fatigue syndrome. And, um, he lived on in West Virginia, which is again on the opposite coast. But I, I visited him quite often when I would travel for work. Um, but I would only stay for a couple days. So I, I couldn't see how, um, how he lived every single day. And I didn't know if his I didn't know his illness was, you know, what was debilitating him? Was it the COPD, whatever? So knowing he had home health come in and stuff, and then that came in here, it kind of triggered some things like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be as sick as my dad was. And um, I don't want to be like my dad. One of the things is like my dad didn't travel. Like, I, I, I don't think he ever went on a vacation for like maybe the last 20 years of his life. And um, he passed away four years ago. And um, shortly after he passed, my husband and I were on vacation in Hawaii. And I remember I was in the pool and I was crying. <laughs> I was crying to my husband. And I said how sad I was that here we are enjoying and, and every we go on a couple vacations every year and my dad didn't get to enjoy that in his life and it was made me so sad and then when I got sick and I've been so debilitated that comes up in my head and I'm like oh my gosh and when those home health people came in I'm like oh I I can't be like I, I like oh I'm so sad like I don't want I guess kind of a fear or a sadness I had. And, and now I'm afraid, you know, the fear comes up, is that going to be me? But, and so I think that's why, like, one of the things I've accepted is the mobility age so that maybe I can still, I don't want to be like stuck in the house forever. I want to be able to do things and I'll accept every, all the help I can get mm -hmm. so that I can 
get to a point of maybe still doing some things with my life, even though I'm sick. Yeah, I take I take one in um in a heartbeat. Um, because yeah. I wouldn't be able to afford one myself at the moment. But if they the hospital gave it to me, yeah, I would definitely take it. with this pandemic, especially when it went on and people were saying being locked in and locked in. I'm saying it's just not this an ordinary day for me. I've lived I my life. I don't go anywhere you know I've been I've been in and you are a prisoner in your in your own home mm-hmm. and that in mm-hmm. itself that in itself when you're not participating in life because and people don't understand it because you don't look sick and people don't understand why you won't go for that cup of coffee and meet your friends people don't understand why you won't like with me why I can't won't won't go into certain supermarket stores because the lighting in there hits my sensory and it makes me very, very panicky. I get terrible panic attacks. Um, so you're you're trying to participate in life, but you don't want to be sick mm-hmm. with, the symptoms, with the symptoms from that participation. So if you have a wheelchair and it means you can get out and be with your grandchild, you can watch your grandchild running around that park. You know, mm-hmm. it's taking stress off your body and you're in a reclining position you're able to stay out you're back participating in what life is about and that out of anything should be the most important thing in the world I've always wanted to go to Ireland so when I was 20 I um, lived in England for four months um, Mm. in Mildenhall um, and I got to see Scotland and I got to see France and Spain and I wanted to see Ireland while I was there and I didn't get to see it, but that's one of, maybe one day I'll get to go see Ireland. I just, and then I, I don't know if you listen Tammy. I won't take up any more of your time because time is very, very precious to you. Um, Thank you so, so much for coming on. Um, You're welcome. Thanks a million for all your time and for all your information. Oh yeah, before you go, if people want to, um if people would like to find out more about you, where can they find you? Um, so they can find me on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. and it is um pots underscore life underscore with underscore m period e. So pots life with me. Talk to you again soon. You're welcome. You have a great rest of your night. I would like to say a huge thank you again to Tammy for that incredible conversation and a great way to end out the this year of 2021 with Warriors Unite podcast. If you would like to follow Tammy, you can find her on Instagram at pots underscore like underscore with underscore m dot e. Um, I do hope you all have a lovely Christmas and you will join us again in 2022 as us Warriors Unite. <laughs>